So the irony in today's tea talk is the fact that I sat down to hit record and literally right when I hit record, Logan woke up from his nap. So I had to pause this, go in. He shouldn't be getting up yet. That's the thing. So I kind of tried to put him back down to sleep. So we'll see how this goes, but hello, welcome to tea talk. I've got my tea. Let me take a sip. Mm. Hopefully today, um, my microphone is working. We shall see. So if you're hearing me on podcast and it sounds really clear, then you can thank my microphone actually, you know, being plugged in right today, just living my best high tech life. So hi guys, just like the title says, just like my intro you know, insinuated and gave away. Today, I'm going to be talking about sleep training, I guess you could say. Not really, okay, where do I even begin? Guys, before I had a baby, I knew nothing about having babies. Like, I literally knew nothing. I was never, it's funny because my my sisters in high school, Um, And just growing up, they were very much like the babysitting kind of people and they would nanny and watch babies. And I was never like, I I don't even know if I've ever really babysat for people. Like I've just never been a babysitter kind of person. I've been around kids a good amount. Um, You know, growing up, I taught dance from age 14 to 19. And my favorite age group to teach was like the two to four year olds. And I taught a lot of them. So I've been around a lot of like little kids but not any babies. And like I said, I had no experience nannying or anything like that. So I had no idea what I was getting into. And I knew that, like I knew that I didn't know what I was getting into when I was pregnant. And the way that I kind of dealt with my whole pregnancy and then when Logan got here and even now is I only research or study just like a little bit farther ahead of where I am. I don't really tend to get too much more done than what's in the near future for me in general, but especially in regards to everything, you know, with Logan. For example, he is six months old and we're just starting to pull together a nursery. I know a lot of moms have that entirely pulled together before the baby even arrives. That is not my personality. I'm fine with it. Sometimes it's a little embarrassing. You guys told me to stop pointing out every time a car drives by or a plane flies by, but does anyone else feel like that's really loud? (laughs) I wish I was one of those moms that had so much pulled together before Logan got here, including my nursery, but that's just not my personality type. And I think that part of that, speaking of which with the nursery thing, this is kind of off topic, but not really because his nursery will have to do with his sleep, especially coming soon. Um, But a lot of that was also, I was very focused on just the giving birth part. And I knew that because I was gonna be giving birth at home, there was just a lot for me personally, mentally and physically to tackle with all of that. And I knew we were gonna be co-sleeping, so I just didn't feel like I was in much of a rush and then, you know, I get overwhelmed easily and that just isn't my thing to have everything done and decorated anyways. Like, I'm also one of those people that when I move, I take a century to set up. Anyways, all of that, like, you know, being prepped for you or explained to you, um, I knew nothing about babies. And so when Logan got here, every question I had, everything I didn't know, I really just did a whole lot of observing, Googling, asking my mom, asking my friends, and I just kind of figured it out as I went. And so when Logan first got here, I think this is kind of common for newborns. He slept a lot and he slept 
fairly easily. Like we actually have some funny videos on the internet of like Dan taking Logan's little limp body and like dancing to music because he was dead asleep and he wasn't fighting it. And so it was hilarious. So he was sleeping pretty easily if he was tired and he was in a group setting. For the most part, he would just go to sleep. Well, <laughs> those of you that have babies or have had babies probably already know where this is going. Right around four months, I started noticing that Logan had a serious, if we want to call it attitude shift, demeanor change, personality difference. And it didn't, I did, was not vibing that it was just because like, oh, Logan's awake and that's Logan. I was like, I don't think he's a sad baby. Like something is up. Well, I started Googling it. And actually I'm saying four months guys, but maybe it was closer to like three months, somewhere around there. I started Googling it anyways. And I found out that around three to four months, if my memory serves me correct, something switches in a baby's brain where they go from being able to just like fall asleep anywhere when they're tired to being more like an adult that is, you know, super into what's going on, hears noises and reacts to it struggles with FOMO. That's actually, honestly, that is the biggest thing that I ended up picking up from the situation. I was like, oh my gosh, I think Logan has FOMO. Anyways, we'll circle back to that. No, we're going to keep going with that. So he did it. He basically stopped wanting to fall asleep. And th so through my research, through talking to people, I was like, oh, so this is kind of what people are talking about when they talk about sleep training. And I had never understood it. I literally was like, what is sleep training? Why does someone have to be trained to sleep? Like, don't they just go to sleep if they're tired? I don't get it. And to be honest, I have to preface this whole episode with saying, I still kind of don't get it because I am one of the people that has not taken, um, like I know the taking care of babies, course is very popular. Um, we have not taken it because spoiler alert, we're not, we haven't gotten desperate enough. We haven't hit any encounters or any speed bumps in our sleep journey to where we're like, yeah, we need to take a sleep class. Now that doesn't mean that you have to hit a, a speed bump to take a sleep class. I know a lot of parents that took sleep classes before their baby even arrived so that they felt prepared and ready for what they were going into. And if you feel called to that, I would recommend that because, um, you know, everybody operates in new roles in life differently and they gather information and process and run their routines differently. And so I have not taken a class yet. I've been doing a lot of video watching though. And part of the reason I'm so stubborn, part of the reason I haven't taken a class is because everything in me resists like rigidity. I don't think that's a word, but like this is the schedule and this is the way it goes. I resist it so hardcore. Now, that being said, we have gotten into um, our own semblance of like a routine around the house. We have things that pretty much happen every day now for Logan's sleep. And I'm going to explain to you what that is and how we got into that, all of that. Um, but it's not like, you know, hurry, get home. It's 1255. It's time to sleep, which I don't know why I'm putting that voice, because I actually think that a lot of parents operate that way and it works great for their kid and for them. They know what to expect every day. Their child um, is well rested. And so that's OK. Backing it up. That's kind of the thing. I started noticing Logan's personality was changing and he was seeming frustrated and, and upset and angry almost and like he was suffering. And obviously, I mean, maybe I'll be like this forever, but especially because he's my first, 
Amelie's is what I'm hearing from people. I don't like it when Logan cries. Like, it really upsets me. I'm not trying to be a mom that's just like every little upset sound. I'm like, oh, my baby. But at the same time, I am the kind of person that like, I, like, I know a lot of people subscribe to the belief like, Babies just cry sometimes. And honestly, maybe I'll be there one day. And and part of me believes that because people, adults sometimes, just have to be upset and cry. And like, there's not really a specific reason and you're just feeling emotion and life can be overwhelming and you just gotta cry. So part of me believes it, but some people really like, they're just like, oh, babies cry. Like, that's just what they do. I don't like that. If, if Logan looks upset and he's crying or making a sound, I assume he's not doing too hot and he wants our help with something or cuddles or he's hungry or he wants to sit up or he has to burp or he's pooped or whatever. I take a lot of the noises as signs. And so when Logan started seeming more upset, I was like, yo, something is wrong here. And I started Googling it, found that answer that their sleep changes. And I told Dan, I said, Dan, I think we have to start supporting Logan in his sleep. I think that's kind of what sleep training is. And there's a wide spectrum. Like I said, I know some people's sleep training, it is very, um, not formulaic, like very scheduled. And I basically just started reading, gathering a bunch of information. And what I kind of came to was that he just needed support. He needed the right environment to be able to sleep because he was not going to just be like, it wasn't going to occur to him. Oh my gosh, I'm uncomfortable. I'm tired. Maybe I'm sore, maybe I'm achy, whatever. I need to sleep. I need to go to sleep. He he wasn't going to have that realization because I, as an adult, sometimes don't have that realization. And Dan will be like, you need to go to sleep. And I'm like, oh, I guess I do. So how could I expect him to understand? Like, you're growing at the fastest rate you'll ever grow in your whole life. And so you need to go to sleep. You don't know what's wrong, but I do. And once you wake up, you'll feel better. So all of that to say... I brought in a couple of specific things into our day that we pretty much abide by every single day. Now, um, first off, let me just say, Logan naps, he's six months old, he naps two to three times a day, and that has been how much he has napped since we started doing this whole napping situation. And basically what I was reading online was around three to four months, they were saying that babies can be awake anywhere from one to two hours before they're pooped and it's time to go to sleep again. And they might sleep anywhere from a half hour to like three to four hours, depending on what they need. And so rather than setting up a time schedule, because that confused me, I'm already timing so many things. It's like, it's like, okay, it's time to pump again, which I guess I'm saying so many things and I'm just listing the pumping, but you know, all of life and then pumping and then the nap schedule and you know, whatever, just trying to be like a normal person. Um, the timing thing really threw me off. Like we will be waking up at this time and we will be napping at this time. I was like, I don't know, no. Especially because his sleep is flexible. He doesn't wake up at the same time every day. He will literally wake up anywhere between six and eight. Um, I'm assuming depending on a lot of factors, how much sleep he got the night before, how well he slept, you know, just how he's probably feeling. It's a wide range. And the same thing is true of his bedtime. We like to just observe Logan, see how he's doing. And like I said, try to support that, but he'll be, he goes to bed at night anywhere from like honestly, six to eight, 9 p.m. Once again, depending on when he woke up that morning, how long his naps were, all of that. Now we have the freedom to do that. 
not only because everyone's on lockdown right now, so I guess we'd have that freedom anyways, but also because our lives are very flexible. So that's also part of the reason we don't abide by a strict schedule. But backing up, so in the beginning, that was what I was reading, one to two hours of awake time that you want to be like awake, like it is time for him to, you know, have tummy time. Or, you know, recently we just got the jolly jumper. You might jolly jump for a little bit. Or we're going to go outside and lay in a blanket and give you tummy time and sunshine. Or we're going to go on a walk. Or we're going to go to the coffee shop or whatever. But it is awake time when it's awake time. And then this is where my, like, routine comes into play. Basically, two to three times a day. Most days it's two times a day. We go in and we do this routine and it's the same every time. I turn on our fan because it's loud, it makes it cool. We keep the room very cool, like 71, 70 degrees. Um, I think that a cooler room in general helps to foster better sleep for people, especially in Logan's case because he is still being swaddled, which I know is highly debated on in my comments. And someone actually made kind of a, I don't know if it was meant to be snooty. They're like, how about you do a little research and you'll find out that babies can't be swaddled past whatever age. And I was like, wow, that was, that was kind of condescending. Maybe I read it that way. Um, I have done research and I have read consistently multiple times that babies can be swaddled safely up to nine months. You know, this is, this is the thing about the internet. This is the thing about having kids in general. I've talked about this with my sister-in-law. You know, there are a lot of things that you can do behind closed doors that people don't need to know about that works out fine for your baby. I was watching some girl's video and she was saying that her mom had, I think six videos or six videos, six kids. And her mom had laid every newborn on their stomach when the baby was little. All of them were fine. None of them have structural issues, breathing issues. No one passed away. Um, all of them were fine. And actually my mom was like, I thought that that was like what you were supposed to do in general. Like I thought that was the recommendation, leaving them on their bellies when they sleep. And I'm like, no, now I think it's, what is it? The American Pediatric Association says, do not put them to sleep on their bellies. So not only do things change, and that's actually a dude, low key I have that gripe with the entire, um, we'll say medical community and science community. I don't know if that's the right wording. I don't have a gripe against you if you're in the medical community or you're a scientist, but we're gonna speak really vaguely here. New information comes into a field and you know new knowledge is adapted and shared and it changes. And frequently people like to shame people for making a different decision, even if later that decision is proven to be safe or people have a great experience with it, right? Like, I know people like to slam anecdotes. I, I don't like agree with that at all. I think people's individual um, personal experiences with things are worth taking into consideration. So that being said, we go in the room, we're gonna back up here. I feel like I got a little heated and then went off track on, I just did not like that comment. If you're the person that left the comment and you did not mean that snooty, that is totally fine, but I was like, I have researched. And I know a lot of you guys kind of went back and forth. I'm still doing it. It's gonna be just fine. I truly believe that. Um, but we are working towards segueing him out of the swaddle. But babies take different things. You know, Logan has never taken a pacifier. He's just never wanted one. Um, but this is his comfort thing that he still likes. And honestly, this is the only reason, like the swaddle I truly think is the only reason he can nap during the day. Because we don't really have, we haven't had success with naps in the past 
without the swaddle. So he really likes it and he goes to sleep pretty fast. So backing up, we go in the room, turn on the fan. So you get the cool breeze. He has the sound. I have a iPad that I was not using anymore from like seven years ago, a mini iPad. You didn't need to know this information, but we were actually going to um, be selling it or giving it to someone. I realized I was like, wait, I don't want to get rid of this iPad. This is, this would be a great sound machine, like a very expensive sound machine. So pretty much um, that's not pretty much that is all we use that for when i come in it's like so slow and bogged down i don't even think it could do anything else but it can play youtube videos and so i always play like a beach forest water type soundtrack for him as well to help drown out sounds um he's swaddled like i mentioned we love the ollie swaddle when logan was a newborn we swaddled him with just white muslin uh caught like organic squares they're these oversized muslin blanket things and they're amazing but they're too small for him now to be swaddled so we still use that often as like a blanket if at night he doesn't want to be swaddled um because that's the thing sometimes he loves being swaddled like it is what puts him to sleep because he is so he still has that reflex of like he can't stop hitting himself and like moving and so that'll instantly calm him down and sometimes he doesn't want to be swaddled so if he doesn't want to be swaddled we will often use the muslin uh thing i don't even know what you call it delivery blanket i don't even know but we'll use that over him frequently because it's thin but it can kind of keep him warm um Anyways, that was kind of a side tangent, but fan sound machine. I top him off with milk every time. I let him, you know, just relax and drink the milk. I burp him and then I lay him down and nine times out of 10, he goes to sleep like pretty much right away within like four to five minutes. Um, all the blinds are drawn. We don't have blackout curtains, but that hasn't been a problem for us. Um, and yes, yeah, sometimes I have to do two rounds. Now, this is probably what everybody is wanting to know because you probably don't want to watch a video for me to be like, 90% of the time, my child just goes to sleep right away. Here is what, and this is where the sleep training thing comes in because, you know, a lot of people will say sleep training kind of comes down to crying it out. And I am nervous, don't get me wrong. I'm nervous for the next, like, few months, year or so to see how his personality and awareness develops because... I feel lucky right now, but here's what, here's the thing. If he doesn't go to sleep, what I let him do is I let him cry for four to five minutes. I, I want to preface too, that I can usually tell if it's going to be a problem. So if I'm putting him down, um, and he's still crying afterwards, or like looking at me like, don't leave me. Now this is real hit or miss. Let me just throw this out there actually. Cause as I'm saying this, there have been a couple times where I've told my mom, I'm like, mom, he will look at me like, mom, please don't put me down. Like sobbing, like, I don't want to go to sleep. Don't leave me. And I'm like strapping him. And I'm like, am I torturing him? And then I'll like lay him down. And he literally goes like, oh, and then goes right to sleep. And I'm like, what? Like, it's so weird because to a, to a degree, it's almost like I can't trust what I'm seeing because his upset levels are not always in an indicator of like, no, he doesn't want to go to sleep. In fact, often the more hyper he is, like this is kind of the joke between us, the more hyper that Logan is, the more half like ah upbeat, the more tired he is almost every single time. So if he's level 20 energy, 
we're like, oh shoot, baby boy is tired. And part of the reason you can tell is not only because it's level 20 energy, but it's like this, it's like this energy, like he's walking on a tightrope. Like he could fall either side and start like laughing like the Joker, like a crazy person, or he could start sobbing hysterically. And sometimes the laughs even sound a little like, like maniacal, like, like, oh my gosh, are you okay? So, um, it's hard to tell, but sometimes that's what happens. He's freaking out and it doesn't matter. He goes straight to sleep. Sometimes he takes a little longer. There's like three scenarios here I'm trying to give you. So there's either four, maybe I guess, the straight to sleep peaceful one, which happens very often. The freak out that I just described where he still goes to sleep and I'm like, what the heck? You literally seem like you did not want to go to sleep. So that happens. Um, the other scenario is the one where he fights it, but he does go to sleep. And so I might do, I'll do the swaddling, the fan, the sound, the milk, the burp, lay him down and he doesn't want to go to sleep. And in that case, which is probably my worst nightmare, not my worst nightmare, but I hate it because I let him cry for about four to five minutes. And if I'm sensing after I burp him and lay him down, like, oh, this is not going to go good, go well. What I do is I will tell him, I talk to Logan a lot like he's an adult and like he understands me so even if he doesn't there's part of me that's woo woo wee wah around like he knows he knows like in my head there's also part of me that's like I want him to pick up on language patterns as he starts to talk over the years that are pleasant and respectful and I want him to know that he's seen and heard and um yeah anyways so what I'll often say to him before he goes down is I'll say baby if, if this is still a problem for you, in five minutes, mommy's gonna get you. I'm not gonna leave you alone. I won't just leave you here, but I think this is what you need. So just, just try to breathe, rest. Mommy really thinks this is what you need. And even if he's upset and crying, I have told him, and so, <laughs> It's true, but in my heart, I'm like, he knows. It's not the same as just letting him cry. And then I leave, I will bring my baby monitor, which I have right now, because he's upstairs asleep, I will frequently turn the sound all the way down because listening to your baby cry is the most torturous thing on the planet. And I will watch the clock like a hawk. That rhyme was not intentional, but it works great. Um, But I watch it because what I don't want to do is I don't want to go in too soon because I've wrestled with this before, right? There's part of me that thinks that like crying it out is cruel, right? Because you're like, I don't want my baby to learn that they can't call for me. Like nobody's coming. There's part of me, though, that through observation has started to think that in my situation, and sometimes maybe in life, people are just upset, and maybe sometimes people just have to kind of cry, and he's not dealing with a whole lot of problems in life right now. This is probably one of his bigger problems, you know, trying to learn how to crawl and walk and trying to learn how to talk. Sometimes he seems so frustrated because he just is like, "Mm," like he wants to talk, trying to rest while his body is growing at warp speed. So sometimes it's just like, I know, baby, sometimes life is hard. So that's kind of what I'm telling myself. But here's the other deal. I only let it go on for four to five minutes because it's torture. And what I'll do is I'll turn the volume down. And if I can't hear him upstairs (laughs) through the walls, four to five minutes later, I will turn back up the volume and see if he's still crying. Oftentimes he isn't. He's cried and 
he just went to sleep like in literally such a short period of time and that's the other thing about watching the clock like a hawk is what i don't want to do because it, it's the it's like the longest five minutes of your life next to when you're like doing a really hard workout like a plank or something and you're like holy toledo it's only been 10 seconds like it's kind of like that so i don't want to go in too soon um because i want to give him a chance to you know deal with deal with his emotion. I don't even know, guys. That sounds like way too mature for a baby and not the right explanation, but this is what's going on. I want to give him a few minutes, um, but I don't want to leave him too long for obvious reasons. I want him to know I'm here. I want him to know I care. I don't want him to get to just be upset and have all that cortisol pumping through his veins and and all of that. So if after five minutes now, okay, sorry, I want to I'm trying keep trying to decide which way to go. After five minutes, if he is still screaming and crying, I rush in the room, but I try not to make it too, like, my feet are pounding. Like, I try to make it calm. Like, I'll walk in calm. I go, oh, baby, would you like some more milk? Because 99% of the time, that's exactly what he wants. He's decided he wants more milk, whether because it's comforting to him, which I think is a large thing, or he's literally worked himself up to the point now where he's like, I'm so thirsty because I've been screaming for five minutes, mom, thanks. Um, God, it's so depressing. So I'll give him milk and do that whole little thing all over again. Milk him, burp him, lay him down. Now, if we've gotten to this phase where I've had to do this twice, like I did the first time and then he cried and then this, oftentimes he will go to sleep after that second one. Like these are the typical scenarios for us in napping right now. Usually he's down after one because we do the same thing every time. So there really is that element of like routine. Um, And Dan and I are on the same page that like the way that we signal him is less about the time of the day and more about like, okay, this is happening now. Meaning when we walk in the room, if Dan's helping me, like sometimes I'm doing it by myself. Sometimes he's home and helping me. We're silent. We don't say a word. Oh, and I forgot to mention he gets a clean diaper every time before a nap. So he knows it's like, oh, fans on, airs on. We're not really engaging with him anymore. We're actually usually acting like like spa clinicians. Like we're just very soothing, not too engaging. Don't say too much. <laughs> if we do, it's very calming. Um, that's the other thing too. So he gets his diaper changed. I always give him like a big skin to skin hugging quick little cuddle session where I tell him and remind him how much I love him and how I can't wait for him to wake up from this nap and for us to have more time together. And sometimes I'll tell him what we're going to do. Oh, we're going to go spend some time outside. It's going to be so nice. I can't wait till you wake up. I hope you sleep well. I just tell him more sweet, true things. Um, And then that's when he's then laid down, swaddled, give him milk, burp him, all that. Anyways, most of the time, Those are the two scenarios. He's either down after one session of that or two. Occasionally, this has been happening maybe once a week. It's not super common, like I've said 12 times. He doesn't want to go to sleep. So if after that second time, he's back to crying and like calling out for us, we give up. I don't don't want him crying more than that. I'm not in a situation where it's like, you have to go to sleep and because he's a baby that typically does go to sleep I am able to like take that seriously when he doesn't want to it's not like like I don't know I mean you could do this if you want but it's not like I'm the mom that's like never actually making my kid nap because they're also they're always upset and crying and it's just like so I they never get naps and I'm always giving in that's not the case he goes to sleep so often very well and very quickly, honestly, um, that 
if this is happening and we are now, he's gone down twice and he is not happy. I'm like, he doesn't want to sleep. That's it. Like, I don't want to sleep sometimes. Sometimes I'm not ready. And, you know, maybe I'll just assume I read the situation wrong. He wasn't tired or he needs to burn a little more energy. And then I will go in and I will unswaddle him, turn off the fan, turn off the sound machine, turn on the light, open the blinds, and we will go back to our day. And I will try to have him lead a very awake, exciting, active life for the next 45 minutes to an hour before we turn around and try it again. And at that point, it always works because if he's not going to sleep for that second time, like I said, he's just not ready. He needs to burn more energy. I read the situation wrong. So, I mean, that's kind of the thing. For us, rather than scheduling times, we pay attention to how long he's been up. We pay attention to his cues, his signals. His cues are pretty consistent. He starts off by looking tired. So he might start like zoning out, getting a little glassy eyed, maybe throwing in a yawn here and there. And then after that, he will start to hype up. Usually it's like he'll start giggling a lot or start getting really hyper. A lot of people will say that that's the point where you've crossed the line of like, now they're overtired. Um, but I've never really known how to walk that line super well. And he still goes to sleep, like I said, very well, almost all of the time, even when he's crossed that line and now he's hyper. Um, so yeah, so like I said, we observe him, we look for cues, we pay attention to when he woke up and how long he's been up because fast forward, so when we started it, like I said, he was only awake one to two hours. And so every time he would wake up, I would note the time and I'd say, okay, it's not unreasonable that he might want to go down for sleep again in an hour maybe two. And so I would notice around the hour mark, I would look at him and observe, like, does he seem tired? Does he seem like he wants this? The internet's saying it's totally possible that he could be going to sleep now. A lot of the times, yeah, that was what it was, like one to two hours. Sometimes he made it past two hours. I mean, sometimes he made it to three, but very often he would be up only for an hour and then he'd go back to sleep. Now, recently, within the last like week or two, we've started switching that because I found on Google, all of a sudden I was like, I haven't looked this up in a while and he's older now, so there's probably a difference in his awake time. Sure enough, there is. They're saying that around there, the internet, people are saying that around six months old, babies can stay awake their average is like two and a half hours. Now that to me is just information to gather and be aware of, not like two and a half hours, baby is too sleep. Because I think the most important thing for me in my position is to observe him and see how he is behaving and see if he seems tired. Because two and a half hours, like that's just like some random guesstimate but he could be like going through a growth spurt extra tired only make it like an hour hour and a half and it's like homeboy needs to go to sleep or he could like today he did three and a half hours now honestly he probably should have gone to bed a little sooner like he was extra hyped but it's not like it's not that dramatic he's still asleep i was working on some stuff we wanted to stretch it a little bit so we did so there's a lot of flexibility between like both camps like we're really flexible he's pretty flexible our top priority is observation of him and making sure that he does get these naps because i truly think it's so important for their brain development their health their immune system their body development like everything. I think that napping is so important for them. And so, uh, yeah, so here's the thing. As of right now, like I said, Logan naps 
two to three times a day. So this morning we woke up, I want to say, well, he was up at like six. He was just lying next to us making sounds and playing till we were up around 7, 7.15, um, maybe 7.30. We were just kind of in and out of sleep, watching him, holding his hand, whatever. He didn't even end up going down to sleep till like 10.45, 11 today. So he had almost four hours. Um, just so you know, he naps in the day. So he's got about two to three naps spread out. And his total amount of sleep time is typically three to like four and a half hours spread out across those naps. And so he'll typically do a morning nap, like a mid-afternoon nap. And then the third nap is always kind of like, it might happen, it might not. It typically happens, but like yesterday, it didn't. He stayed up through that third nap and then just ended up going to sleep, um, not early, but like around seven-ish, something like that. So that's like actually an average time for him. Um, but yeah, I guess point being, some of you might be listening to this because here's the thing, you don't know what you don't know. So maybe there's stuff within the sleep training, specifically the taking care of babies, or I know there's like the Ferber method, all of these things that would be really helpful for us. But I just felt like as I was doing it, I was like, I kind of just want to go with our own flow see what works with us, for us, see what happens. Um, we are totally open to trying different things as time unfolds, as his needs evolve, if things aren't working. But right now we're feeling pretty good about it. He's getting a lot of sleep, he's growing well, he's staying healthy. I kinda just, I don't know, wanna encourage you guys that you, know, you wanna be safe. You wanna prioritize your baby's health, but just like my sister-in-law and I were saying, you, when it's your baby, you can kind of do what you want. So what I mean by that is try to not get too wrapped up in what other people say you should be doing and try to keep your focus more on your baby and your family. Um, you know, it's always important to stay aware of what people are saying is safe what people are saying is necessary and why, um, because I think taking those things into consideration is how you make an informed decision. You're not just like, oh, this is what I feel. It's like you got to kind of consider the, the, the logic, what you're looking at, but you also got to observe. Now, I kind of sound like a hypocrite while I'm saying that. Hypocrite's the wrong word. I don't know. That's been like the word I've been thinking of a lot lately. Anyways, um, but I sound maybe funny because I'm like, you got to take in the information and I've never taken a sleep class. I guess just what I mean is kind of that original point that I was saying. Do what works for you and your family. Um, you have, they're, they're your child. Like if you're not putting them in, in risk, like in serious risk or doing something really unhealthy for them, like don't, it's kind of like, I don't know, when I was embarrassed a few months ago to show my diaper changing station and I was like, I don't have like a fancy diaper setup like these moms that have their nurseries done and the diapers all, you know, perfectly displayed and everything like set up. And I felt like embarrassed or I was going to say less than, but that's maybe a little dramatic. But then I realized it doesn't matter. And like I could literally be changing my kid on a kitchen table. It doesn't matter. They're getting a clean diaper and that's what matters. And so, you know, looking at a situation, I think it's important to think what are the things that really actually matter here and what are the things that don't and what works with my family? And that's really what it comes down to. What works for you guys when you've taken all of that into consideration? So I might be checking in with you guys a few months down the road and be like, hey, just kidding. We took taking care of babies and now we've got a, a totally different view on sleep. But for right now, 
that's what we're doing. I need some tea. I have not drank enough tea in this tea talk. But for right now, that's what we're doing. It's working great for us. And I really just wanted to let you guys know because I've received a lot of requests to talk about sleep in general and sleep training. Here's the other great thing about the naps, guys. When your baby is napping, you feel, I feel, I don't wanna say you feel, I feel on top of the world for multiple reasons. A, my baby is happy because he's asleep. So I'm like, oh, my baby is so peaceful. So it feels good as a mom to know your baby is doing well. They're not, you know, if they're not screaming and crying and they're sleeping, you're just like, oh, this is great. B, it helps them grow. It keeps them healthy. So it feels just so good. And C, when they're asleep, that's like your free time. So whether you want to work on your own stuff or you want to clean up, do the laundry, you want to do some cooking, you want to sleep with them, which is highly advised um, by a lot of parents. A lot of parents will say, sleep when your baby sleeps. Okay, so I just got this uh, box that is actually full of stuff for Logan's nursery. So that's really ironic timing. Um, I guess, okay, so to close this out, I just want to encourage you. Naps are great. They're great for baby. They're great for mommy. And, you know, I just want to encourage you to do what's right for you. My sister-in-law and I have talked about this quite a few times um, about like just mommy culture, mommy shaming. And I have a lot of thoughts around that. I actually, on uh, the quick Cliff's Notes version is I actually think it's both. I think there is a serious like mom shaming thing that exists in culture. But at the same time, I think a lot of it is also in our heads because we're all so paranoid about ourselves and what everybody's thinking about us. Um, kind of like how I, I don't remember which video it was, but I made a mention saying that I felt like culture does not encourage women to like, like have babies. I feel like in general, there's a narrative that is being pushed whether you agree with it or not that like there's too many people on the planet if you have babies you're selfish um all of this stuff whatever i actually i think that was my why i changed my mind about having babies video but i also said in the same breath that you may not agree with me because i've heard just as many single women or women without children say if one more person asks me when i'm gonna have kids i'm going to explode so i think a lot of our experiences not to invalidate anyone's feelings or experiences um but they vary from person to person city to city culture to culture, family to family. And also, I just think it is true that we all tend to feel very like, um, I don't know, we get in our own heads about like how people are judging us and, and whatever. So while I, I do agree that there is this narrative that exists, I think a lot of it has to do with, with viewpoint and whatever. And so all of that to say, you do you. <laughs> you do what's right for your family. No person, no baby is alike. No parent is alike. No home is alike. And that's a lot of factors. And so people can look in from the outside and judge um, if they're even going to. Probably they're going to be too busy thinking about themselves like we all are. But if they are going to look in and judge, they can do that. That's fine. They're never going to know all of the details that makes up your situation, your family, um, and what's right for you guys. So I'm very much a proponent of both. I was actually thinking the same thing this week because this week is World Breastfeeding Week and I've been seeing a lot of like, you know, chatter about that. And, you know, a lot of people like the saying fed is best. And it was based off of a saying that I guess made a lot of mom feel moms feel bad back in the day, and that saying was breast is best. And I sit, you already know this, in the camp that 
breast is best. I think it's just pure fact that breast milk is so far superior to formula. It doesn't even sit in the same camp. Um, but then I also kind of sit when, when moms say fed is best, I kind of sit in that camp too, because I, I simultaneously know, Hey, are you back? Oh, he's back with another package. Um, I simultaneously know that every mom is different. And who am I to sit and look at your scenario and be like, mm, and judge you for picking formula. So there, there really is part of me that's like, well, I don't know you, I don't know your scenario. I am someone that tends to hold the two thoughts. So like I said, it kind of goes into everything for me because I don't wanna be someone that says that there isn't like a best way to try to do things because I do believe in truth you know, kind of like with the breastfeeding thing. I do believe the truth is that breast milk is better. And I don't think that's something that should be ignored just for our own comfort. So that's kind of the moral of this video. Seek truth, observe your child, try to do genuinely what you think is best. Um, but also have some grace on yourself because life is tough. Having a baby can be tough at points. Although I've said this before, it's the most fulfilling tough work I've ever done in my life. Um, but we don't need to go back off on that tangent. You already know that, but yeah, so that's it. I hope you guys have been having a great day so far. Uh, if you're not, I hope your day gets better. Check the info box for today's semi-secret giveaway. I will hopefully see you guys back here soon with another new video. All right, bye guys.